we celebrate 100 episodes of the Classic Comics Podcast with a look at some 1980s Batman comics in Tales of the Batman Gene Colan Volume 1. And then we take a look at Miss Marvel Volume 7 Dark Reign straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Well, before we get started on taking a look at Tales of the Batman, Gene Colan, Volume 1, a nerdy point of order, and that is that uh, this is probably not going to be a great buy uh, if you're thinking about purchasing the collection. Uh, because uh, uh, Tales of the Batman Gene Colan Volume 1 collects uh, Batman number 340, 343, and 348 to 51, along with Detective Comics 510, 512, 517, 523, 528, and 529. However, this is an older collection, and a collection came out August of 2018 called Tales of the Batman, Jerry Conway, uh, collecting Batman 337 to 346 and 348, and uh, Detective Comics 505 to 513. Uh, so, nearly everything that is in this volume, you do get in the Jerry Conway Volume 2. Plus, you get uh, an ongoing continuity, which you don't really get with uh, this one. It does skip around because it's artist uh, focused. Now, now, there are some comics that are in this one that aren't. Uh, 349 to 351. And then uh, you also have uh, Detective Comics 517, 523, 528, and 529. Though most of those will be collected in a later uh, Jerry Conway trade. The only one not by Jerry Conway is Detective Comics 529. Uh, so... Yeah, that's, that is the one thing. Uh, I would not recommend buying this collection unless it's on sale. Um, they're, they're over Christmas 2018. You could get, uh, this collection for about $5. So, uh, digitally through Comicology or through Amazon, and that's how you would want to get it because the Jerry Conway collection has so much more and you can see the ongoing stories. Um, I didn't know that at the time because the Jerry Conway wasn't out. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll get into talking about the issues in this book. Uh, the book starts out with uh, Batman number 340, which is uh, a man called the Mole. And uh, essentially, the story begins with people being kidnapped by someone tunneling in and uh, pulling them out. And the mole is a criminal who's uh, essentially kidnapping and killing members of the parole board. And uh, they they investigate it, and it turns out that it is a a criminal that 
appeared back in World's Finest Comics number 80, back in 1956. Uh, if you know anything about your comics, you won't be surprised to know that Roy Thomas contributed to this because Roy Thomas is really big into comics uh, continuity and just going ahead and pulling things out uh, of the history. Uh, it's pretty much a really basic story, but the art by Gene Colan really is the star of this. Um, and, uh, so I enjoyed it for the art. Uh, the next one is A Dagger So Deadly, and it introduces a supervillain, uh, I guess I should put that in quotation uh, marks, named the Dagger, and his thing is he rides on a motorcycle and throws daggers. And uh, Batman is able to locate him because his secret identity, uh, who he really is, is he's the guy who runs the factory who makes his daggers. Uh, was not the brightest uh, villain that Batman's ever ta- uh, faced off against. Uh, Detective Comics 510 is head uh, hunt uh, by the Mad Hunter, and this the idea of this one is that the Mad Hatter has moved from really focusing on hats to focusing on heads. And uh, he's become a a sort of criminal version of a headhunter for uh, organizations. And he kidnaps Lucius Fox and he holds him for ransom for $2 million from Bruce Wayne. Uh, and, uh, while he's waiting for Bruce Wayne to bring the ransom, he secretly plans to wipe Lucius Fox's mind, uh, and, you know, give him Lucius Fox, but all of the information Fox knows will be his. Um, and, uh, Batman shows up and really fights epically, and this is again another spot where Gene Colan's art really takes center stage. Uh, but uh, after Batman beats everyone up, uh, Mad Hatter threatens to go ahead and throw the switch on Lucius, and Batman offers to take his place. And the Mad Hatter agrees. But unfortunately for him, Batman uh, had taken some clues and had placed a rubberized, non-conducting headpiece on his head under his cowl. And so it just doesn't work. And the Mad Hatter's caught. You always want to be sure and uh, put on your rubberized, non-conducting headpiece. Uh, then we get to Monster My Sweet, which is one of my favorite uh, issues in here. And uh, Poison Ivy, it begins with Poison Ivy informing a gangster that she's the new uh, uh, boss in town. And uh, he just is, is not having any of it. And she has a plant throw him out the window of the greenhouse. And then his thug comes up on her and she just dispatches him in an instant. Uh, But meanwhile, this uh, issue brings to fruition a plot that had been uh, brewing for some time where Poison Ivy had uh, put the Wayne Foundation board under hypnosis and had made them uh, sign over all of the Wayne Foundation's funds to her. And they had all, and she worked the hypnosis 
so that uh, they could not tell anyone uh, that she had done it. Now, I don't know if hypnosis uh, works like that uh, or can be made to work like that, but it's a different take, and I, I can definitely respect that. Uh, so uh, she uh, goes ahead and uh, picks up the foundation money and goes on a shopping spree. But Bruce, as Batman, is able to uh, really freak her out just by following her, just by standing there, just by showing up time and time again. And uh, what I like about it, and I think what makes it really effective as a story, is that you first of all start off by showing that Ivy is no pushover. She's not somebody who is easily scared or cowed. Uh, but it really uh, shows the power of the Batman to strike terror into the hearts of criminals. And so uh, it, re- it works really effectively in this story. And uh, she decides it's good to be home. <laughs> you know, after Batman had given up following her for a little while, uh, just so that he could do something else and also... Uh, set the stage for happened next and he uh, crashes through the greenhouse uh, glass. It's a glorious scene uh, but meanwhile she's gone ahead and turned her chauffeur into a tree monster which is one of those risks of working for Poison Ivy and uh, uh, she uh, uh, has him fight the uh, tree monster and Batman's able to prevail uh, because uh, you know he's Batman and uh, she is ready to step in and take on the weakened Batman when Robin shows up and they've done a good job of foreshadowing that he was going to show up and uh, because Batman's concerned about the chauffeur and making sure that he is taken care of and tended to by uh, the doctors, uh, he goes ahead and spills that uh, the Wayne Foundation funds were stolen by Ivy's hypnosis. And that ends up resolving the Wayne Foundation's problems. It may be cheating a little to have the chauffeur resolve it, but I'm not sure how else they could have taken care of it. Overall, I thought it was a pretty solid story, and I really enjoyed that issue. Next up, there is a story which it crossed over with uh, Batman number 345 and Detective Comics number 512, where a mad scientist wants to hold the city for ransom after releasing a contagion into the air and essentially off. The antidote for ransom. Um, the, I really did like the covers for the story. Uh, they were a lot of it in uh, white with uh, what was shown on the cover really well emphasized. Now there's a lot I don't understand like why he was going to rich society parties. Uh, that didn't seem to make sense or have any tie in to what his uh, plan was. Uh, and, uh, you also have, uh, Commissioner Gordon being given uh, 24 hours to resign by the new mayor of Gotham City. And again, uh, the specific reason for that, other than Hamilton Hill had run his campaign 
alleging that Gordon was too weak or too old or something of that sort. That brings us to Batman number 348, where... Bruce and Dick are moving back into Wayne Manor, and uh, they are into the old Batcave. And there's a cute scene where uh, the penny that they have in the Batcave gets away. Um, and I will say this is, again, uh, one of those issues where you really miss having the full context. Uh because we don't know why they're moving back into the bat cave or you know what the impetus was for that we know what the impetus for him moving into the penthouse uh, above the Wayne Foundation to be closer to the city back in the 1970s but uh, we just don't know from this particular book uh but at any rate uh Kirk Langstrom's wife shows up uh, worried about her husband and we learn that uh, Kirk Langstrom had actually become a lot more feral. He'd gone through a period back in the 70s where his uh, man-bat side was so under control that he became a costume crime fighter, uh, kind of inspired by Batman, though acting a lot like Spider-Man and hanging out in New York City. But now it's not under control, and he's actually under the Batcave. Uh, so they spend the story hunting him through the Batcave. And it's a pretty uh, good issue. Uh, again, I think the art really does sell the story. And we also have uh, ex-Commissioner Gordon now uh, having a talk with his daughter, Barbara, who gives uh, him the card of Jason Bard, who was a private detective that Barbara had worked with during her run of solo stories in Detective Comics. That brings us to Batman number 349 to 351 and Detective Comics number 517. And it's a Batman vampire story. The issue opens with Robin tied up by his girlfriend who has turned out to be a vampire. Now, mind you, we had Batman 348 and it did not... Uh, in there. So this is something that happened in the previous issue of Detective Comics. Robin does manage to escape, is bitten in the process, and uh, he's taken to the hospital, but quickly ends up leaving, but is possessed and is now uh, a vampire. Uh, however, uh, Batman uh, gets suspicious and he goes in to investigate and he is bitten and he uh, begins to manifest symptoms with fangs developing and the hunger for blood. He resists nobly, but he runs into a recalcitrant criminal who he goes ahead and just has a snack on, uh, doesn't try to kill. Now, there was a priest who took Robin to the hospital when uh, Robin was hit by a car when he was first bitten. And he comes into the story and he tells them that the cure would be a serum from the original vampire's blood. Batman has to set out to get that. And I will say that Gene Colan is very well suited uh, for drawing this sort of story. As one of the uh, titles he was well remembered for on Marvel's was Tomb of Dracula. Now, as crazy as this may seem, while this is the main plot, there are other uh, plot lines going on. 
Alfred is afraid that uh, Bruce Wayne is about to be assassinated and so hires a professional lookalike. At the same time, Vicki Vale thinks she's figured out Batman's identity by using pictures of both Bruce Wayne and Batman. She's noted the similarities of their way their faces look and so is debating whether to disclose what she knows. At the same time, her editor is indebted to Rupert Thorne, the crime boss, and is being pressured to steal the pictures that would uh, provide proof of Batman's identity. While now uh, Commissioner Gordon and Jason Bard are now private investigators together, and they're looking at some corruption involving the mayor. The assassination plot, and probably some of the other plots as well, carry on into the next issue of Detective Comics number... 518, and it's not included because Colin didn't actually pencil that issue. Because I guess there was very little of the vampire story to continue after Batman is cured. He just needs to take the cure to Robin. Then we get Detective Comics number 523. This is a story involving Solomon Grundy who has helped with some uh, big store burglaries, mainly so that he could get the shop dummies out and mangle them. uh, Using Gandhi, meet a bit of a gruesome end, and all that's left for Batman to do is to uh, destroy the monster. Detectives Comics number 528 is Requiem for the Skulls. And it sees the return of Savage Skull, a character uh, who Gordon had believed dead, but turns out is alive. And this gets him into hot water with the mayor. And again, Gordon is back now as police commissioner. We don't know why from the context of this book, but he is back. And the mayor has one of his cronies, uh, Lieutenant Harvey Bullock, who Gordon had thrown off the force, now back, and essentially there to uh, look make Gordon look bad in the course of the investigation. It's interesting to see this as one of the early views of Harvey Bullock, uh, particularly as I was introduced to the character in the Batman the Animated Series. This is obviously a very different uh, uh, iteration on the character, and it's curious how they evolved him over time into a more you know basic blue-collar cop and not corrupt. In this one, Bullock is trying to make life difficult for Gordon, and even though in the course of the case... He seems to warm to Gordon and uh, to be not such a bad guy. He pretty much shows that he is still the uh, stooge the mayor sent over at the start of the story. Then we have Detective Comics number 529. And in this particular story, this one is about uh, the Thief of Night, in which Batman is trying to... Uh, capture a black-clad thief and not succeeding, thus causing him some problems. And also, Jason Todd is hanging out with a circus clown and announces at the end of the issue, because Batman won't make him the new Robin, that he's going to go away to the circus. 
And that is where the book ends. And I really do have to have mixed feelings about this particular volume. On one hand, there's some great art and some really good stories, even though we're kind of in the dark about a lot of what's going on. But I really think DC should have, instead of segregating all of these collections by artist uh, and writer even, had actually just done a release of Batman comics from the 1980s. I think this is a lot bigger problem with Batman comics in the 1980s than it was in the 70s where a lot of the plots were kind of one-offs. Still, I can't downgrade Gene Colan art uh, too much. I'll give the collection a rating of somewhat classy, but I would recommend that you pick up Tales of the Batman Jerry Conway Volume 2 to get fuller context, and then that you only pick up this volume for like the vampire storyline and the two to three other issues of detective comics that haven't been collected yet at a time when this collection is on sale on Comicology. Next up, we have Miss Marvel Volume 7, Dark Reign. And this book has two parts. The first part is the... uh, story, The Death of Miss Marvel, which collects three issues. Carol has teamed up with her ex-partner, Rossi, and former mercenary uh, named Mason, in order to investigate Ascension, which was first mentioned to her by Ghazi, the terrorist who kidnapped and tortured her in the previous volume. And unknown to her, Gauzy has actually been captured by Norman Osborn, who's decided to give him the Ascension power. After their robbery, Rossi and Mason have given Carol a new fake identity, Catherine Donovan. If she were on the Incredible Hulk TV series, it would be Carol Donovan. But I digress. At any rate, there's a suicide at the Cult of Hala. She actually goes and confronts Nonvar, who is the current uh, Captain Marvel, and is actually taking part in Osborn's Dark Avengers. Nonvar claims no knowledge about the suicide that happened at a cult that's tied to the uh, Captain Marvel and the Kree. And Carol tries to attack, but it really makes limited effort. And we learn why, as it's revealed that Carol's powers were causing her to burn up. When she fought the scroll back in Volume 5, uh, during the Secret Invasion timeline, with so many scroll that she killed, she began to uh, discover that her powers were spiking, which is why in the last volume she did not use her powers as part of uh, her raid and attempt to steal CIA equipment. She ends up at a party where Gauzy is and uh, confronts him, and she's minded not to use her powers, but because Gauzy has the ascension, ends up within a fight with Gauzy and has no choice but to use her powers. And she literally appears to blow up. It's 
uh, a beautiful explosion, actually. You know, great art on it. At the same time, uh, we learn that Rossi was actually a double agent for Norman Osborn all the time, and he not only helped with getting Carol killed, but tries to kill Mason. But Mason survives and then uh, kills Rossi with Norman Osborn's blessing so that uh, Osborn won't have to pay Rossi. That leads to the second half of the book, which finds us into Dark Rain, where Norman Osborn has uh, risen to control the Avengers, and he's running the Dark Avengers. And he's taking members of the super villain team, the Thunderbolts, and reprocessing them as Avengers. It's a strange marketing idea. It's like, hey, we've got to give them the names of the old Avengers. Even though the public, and certainly the press, are smart enough to tell the difference. As we learn at the start of the book, as after taking down a bad guy, Carla Sofen a.k.a. Moonstone, who is the new Miss Marvel, is confronted by the press, who says, Who are you? You're obviously not Miss Marvel. Even though she has some superficial resemblances with her uh, long blonde hair and similar body types. Carla is then sent in for a sock evaluation by Osborne, and she strongly protests this. And the psychologist is really, at first, trying to understand her to get to the root of why she seems to be such a psychopath. However, the uh, particular psychologist is actually a former CIA guy who thinks the Dark Reign uh, is evil and that therefore he has got to uh, destroy her and the Dark Avengers. Yet with her mental powers, she is able to turn the tables and ultimately ends up destroying him. It's a, the first issue that we get with her, but it serves as a good introduction for who this character is like. But thankfully, we don't dwell on her because we get into the mix of uh, a, an interesting uh, plotline for the final three issues of the book. Advanced Idea Mechanics has created various clones of the storyteller. We learn in Volume 6 that the original storyteller, Gavin actually teleported himself to the moon uh, with uh, some oxygen added in so that he would not be subject to being hunted down by AIM. However, they made MODOK-style clones of him, which they believe will be more malleable. However, Norman Osborn managed to obtain them. But AIM wants these baby MODOK creatures back. A series of luminescent creatures begin appearing, searching for Miss Marvel, but they're clear that they're not interested in finding Carla. At the same time, Deadpool is hired by AIM to steal back the uh, babies. Uh, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and the New Avengers get led to some of the babies that have been stolen, and they're led there by the luminescent creatures. Meanwhile, Carla is trying to figure out what these creatures are and also uh, get the babies back from 
AIM, and the New Avengers. It's really just this great uh, chase story where there's so much going on and there's a lot of mysteries and there's a, a lot of questions that are asked as well as a few that are answered by the end. It all leads up to just a stunning reveal at the end. The last two pages, both art and story-wise, are just perfect. I really enjoyed this volume, and I think it's safe to say I enjoyed it better than any of the previous volumes. I thought the Death of Miss Marvel storyline was pretty good. It explained a lot of questions uh, that I had from the previous volume, and had some good artistic moments and twists. I think the Dark Rain stuff was even more interesting. I don't know what it says about Carol Danvers that my favorite issues have been the ones that she's not in. Dark Rain is actually, I think, a pretty clever idea. I don't know how the whole event played out, but I do like how it works in this particular book. It's a natural consequence of Civil War. Okay, so you want the government to regulate all superheroes and the government to be in charge of the Avengers. Well, what happens when the government puts Norman Osborn in charge? That's a really good uh, consequence to have come up. And I like how even though Carla became the main character and the quote-unquote official Miss Marvel, uh, that we didn't spend more than one issue just focusing on her, but got into this just really good adventure with just so many interesting moments. I will give the book overall a rating of classy, again with the understanding that there are a couple moments that are just not for kids at all. This is a really good book that executes its ideas very well and left me uh, extremely interested to find out what happens in Volume 8, War of the Marvels. So to recap, we gave... Tales of the Batman, Gene Colan, Volume 1, a rating of somewhat classy. The issues we have are pretty good, and the art is just superb, but the way that they are collected is problematic in terms of having a coherent story. And we gave Miss Marvel, Volume 7, Dark Reign, a rating of classy. It's a book that really has found its stride and is full of surprises and great twists with a stunning ending that sets the stage for War of the Marvels. All right, well, that will do it for now. If you do have a comment, email to me, classycomicsguy at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at classycomicsguy. And be sure and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.